All right, so this is called Real Jesus, The Temptation and the Tears. And it's by Jesus, not by me, but, but my helper put that up there. So anyway, so we're going to talk about a couple things really quick. But here's what we're trying to get into. Theology, how many of you know what the definition of theology is? Yeah? The study of God. The study of God. Theo, right? The study of God. So theology is, is, is not something that like old white guys sat around and, you know, wrote things and burped and, you know, just kept on. No, 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 no. Theology helps us to understand the God that we know and love. Okay? If you wanted to get to know me, know things about me, you'd need to do a few things. Spend some time with me, whatever, sure, great. Talk to people that know me and stuff like that. And some of what you'd find out is if you want to know what Steve is, you need to know what he's not. Is it making sense? So I'm not a Cincinnati Reds fan. Okay, come on in. You're most welcome. I am not uh, a guy that grew up in uh, the South. I would. I lived in Central Florida for a year and was ready to move. I mean, so you know, so so sometimes it, any Central Floridians here? God bless you. Come on in. All right. God bless you in Central Florida. Bless you. So anyway, the deal is this, that, that when we're looking about theology, we're studying about God, we're going to know what He is and what He is not. So one of the things we need to do first is when we're talking about Jesus is who Jesus is not. Okay? You can write this down. One, He's not a sky god, mist kind of thing up there. Jesus is seated in heavenly places, yeah, but we just came through the, the greatest season, the season of Emmanuel, God with us. And that's the miracle of the Incarnation, that uh, unlike any other religious system uh, that's in the world today, you've got a God who it was incarnate, came here, not someone who, who started out as human and then got, became a God, like you see in Hinduism or Buddhism, but, but the, the, really God, and then he incarnates, and he's fully God, fully man. So here's another thing Jesus is not. He was not half a God and half a man. Okay? When I was a kid, I thought that's what, kind of what it was, you know? How many of you ever saw the Six Million Dollar Man? You ever see that show or you ever read cartoons or something like that? So this guy, had been in a really bad accident in an airplane, and so they're like, we can rebuild him. And so they gave him one leg, you know, because he'd lost his leg and his arm, so they gave him a bionic leg and a bionic arm. So with a bionic arm, he could like lift things, and it was always in slow motion on the TV. It's like, you know, he'd lift a building or something, right? And then he'd run, and you'd see him like running real fast. But it didn't make sense to me, right? Because if this is the bionic leg and this is the natural leg, wouldn't the natural leg kind of like fall off because the bionic leg is right? You know what I'm saying? Okay. So in the same way, I thought Jesus was kind of like half a god and half a man. So then it created a lot of problems. Well. In what capacity was he, you know, living his life as the God guy, or as the man guy? Is it making sense? But that's not who Jesus was. Jesus was not half and half. He was whole and whole. And you're like, okay, I don't get that. Well, that's part of what we're going to be looking at today. Come on in, dude. Is there any seats? Any, here's a seat right here for you. Give her a hand. She made it. Good job. So we're, we're looking at Jesus, we're looking at who he, he was not, and then who he is. So what does it mean for him to be fully God, fully man? You're like, what does this have to do with me? Well, how many of you want to live for Jesus, right? How many of you do not want to live in habitual, perpetual sin? 
right? How many of you want to know what to do when you do sin and you want to get out of it and keep on going, right? So that's what this is all about because I, I remember growing up and, and being told, well, you need to be like Jesus. Well, I'm like, okay, he's perfect and he's a God. How do I do that? Have you ever had that thought? Right? Okay. So part of the, the, the genius of the incarnation is Jesus comes not only to show us the Father, but to show us how to live life as a Christ follower. Come on in. You're most welcome. Who's got a seat by him? There's a seat right back there. And then, you know, and there's a seat right there. That's awesome. And there's a seat right there. Good. You got two? You got two back there. Nice. Good. So, first let's look at Matthew chapter 4. We're going to look at the temptation of Jesus. So, you all know, I would hope, that you have someone that really hates you. And that's the devil. He hates God's creation. And he is he, his mission is in life is to do three things. What are they? Steal, Steal kill, kill, and destroy. destroy. Not the greatest guy. Okay? <laughs> Alright? So, what you need to know is that Jesus was tempted just like you and me. In every way, Scripture says. We're going to see that later. So, let's look at the temptation of Jesus and look at what He was dealing with, shall we? Let's go to uh, Matthew 4, 1-4. through 4. So, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Can you all see this? To be tempted by the devil. Uh... After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. What's the first thing you notice that happens in this little periscope here? What's, what's going on? What's the first thing you notice? Or some of the things you notice? Yes? Well, if you look at other scripture, it says, uh, like the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Okay. So part of that is the lust of the flesh is food, because the flesh has to eat. Okay, so you've seen Jesus was hungry. Okay, good. What else are we seeing from this? Yeah? He doesn't deny that God can make rocks in the bread. Okay. Okay, very nice. What else are you guys noticing? the spirit who Say that again? It was the spirit who led Okay, so the Spirit leads him into the desert. Okay, so what does that tell you about God and his involvement when we're facing temptation? He's with us, right? Does God tempt us? Scripture says no. But God is with us. So this is what you need to, to know, no matter what your feelings and my feelings tell me. When I am being tempted, and we're not talking about that extra dessert. I'm talking about... You know, when you're laying in bed in your dorm room and you know everybody in the dorm rooms around you is going crazy and you're like, should I go get crazy too? That's what I'm talking about, okay? That in that moment, it is not just you wrestling against the devil, but that God is with you. That His, His presence is with you. He has not caused it. He, did, he, didn't, he didn't make it happen, but He knew it was going to happen. And in that, I find a lot of comfort. Right? Okay? Let's keep on going. Part of the, the temptation here was for Jesus to use His God abilities and powers to, to get something that He wants. How many of you have ever faced anything like that? Say, oh, I'm not a God. Wait, 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 wait. We have the Spirit of God within us. 
Has there ever been a chance or an opportunity that you've had, you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, that you're like, man, I could have, I could have kind of like used Jesus kind of things to kind of get what I wanted. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes people will do this like, <laughs> like, you know, to get a date, right? You know, hey, you know, I was praying the other day and you came up. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Right. Now people do that noise, don't they? They do that noise, right? And that's that's a temptation. Hey, welcome. There, see, I think we got one. Here we go. That's a temptation to to use to use something to get what you want. Was Jesus ever going to eat again? Yes. yes. So what was the other part of this temptation? was to, to circumvent the process that God had him through, that God had led him through, which was a time of fasting. Okay, How many of you have ever done any fasting? And how many of you know that the second day of your fast, your buddy's going to come over and say, I made you a cake! You know what I'm talking about? He's like, I hate you! Right? You know? Right. And then we're like, okay, well maybe the Lord spoke to him to make me the chocolatey delicious cake. Right? You know, we're good with, you know, our brains. You know what I'm saying? Right. So Jesus resisted that temptation. Let's go on. Then, so devil's like, you know, lost out. Oh, and, we, and I, I would go back, but I don't have my clicker. And then Jesus refutes him with scripture. Doesn't get into an argument about breads and the stones or not. He just refutes him with scripture. That's key. Okay? Then Matthew 4 4 through 7. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him, so this is Jerusalem, had him stand on the highest point of the temple if, that's a big word and an important word, if you are the Son of God. Notice he, he what's he doing? Challenging his identity and if, if Jesus was fully man, do you think he may have ever asked himself that question? Am I the Son of God? You better believe it. When your own brothers and sisters are telling you you're off, right? Right? There's no recorded instance until later on of somebody going up and saying, you're the son of God. I, I get it. That didn't happen until much later. And when it finally did happen, come on in. And when it finally did happen, what did Jesus say? <laughs> finally you get it, right? Okay, so... Don't you think that, that this if was an important thrown in their word on purpose, if you are the Son of God? Hey, how can we make room for these friends here? Some people can sit right here. Some people can sit in the hall. There's a chair. We don't want you to feel left out. Two seats over there. Yeah, just don't bump the computer. That'd be negative. Okay, and every once in a while, I will have to go over there and click. So here, why don't you sit? better. Yes, 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 yes. So, if you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it's also written, don't put your Lord, the God, your, the Lord, your God to the test. What's going on here? You tell me. What, what's the devil trying to get accomplished there? Intimidate Jesus. What do you mean? Intimidate him. For example, if I was like to intimidate you, it's like you have that boy. I can see Satan as this person. He's like, hey Jesus, if you really the Son of God, like had that like face. If you really the Son of God, okay, good. You change it to bread. Cool. What is he trying to ultimately get done though? What? 
um, the enemy is trying to use actual words from scripture to try to attempt to reverse or rather persuade Jesus to do something from the scripture when he's trying to use the scripture and put it into his own, you know, own okay, words. Sure, that's a, that's all a part of it. But what's the result he's hoping for? Yeah. I feel like um, uh, he was trying to get Jesus to submit to him. Um, Potentially, sure. Like, because, you know, that was like saying, like, prove yourself. Okay. Um, and what would have happened if Jesus at this high point would have submitted to him? What would have been the result of that submission? More than that, <laughs> death. Oh, yeah. He's trying to kill off Jesus. Is that making sense? Yeah. So ultimately, that was what he was after. And then we can kind of play all kinds of mind games. No, God wouldn't have let that happen. Well, okay, do we know that? And that's the whole point. He's, he's saying... Why don't you presume on the relationship and power that you have with God? It's going to be okay what you do. God's going to take care of you. And to prove it, make a jump. Okay? Now, you say, well, what does that have to do with me? Well, there's a kind of a a philosophy of thought in, in the church world today, and it goes something like this. I can do anything I want to do. Daddy God still loves me, and it'll be okay. Okay, And the problem with that is, it's the sin of presumption. Write that down. It's the sin of presumption. Look, I don't understand God's grace, you know? And, and people ask the question of, if you sin three times, and that's okay, the fourth time is it bad, or is it seven times, or 19 times? You know, and here's the deal, you don't want to go into that discussion, right? But... I don't understand the Lord's grace. I don't understand His mercy. But one thing I do understand, I never want to presume on His mercy. I will never want to presume on His grace. Alright? Hey, the night that I made the decision to follow Jesus, I'm just going to partially shut this. The night I made the decision to follow Jesus, it was after a, you know, a many-month wrestling match with the Lord. And here's what God said to me. This, by His Spirit, He says, this could be your last chance I'm giving you. That, that was it. So there was none of this, I'm your loving father. He, he tried that. Okay? He's like, uh, just want to let you know, the scripture says the spirit of man will not strive with, the, the spirit of God will not strive with man forever, and this could be it. Just want to let you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right? So the point is, just from a very early point in my Christian faith, there was this understanding of God of, look, I'm a God full of grace for you. But there is such a thing as too much. You say, well, what? What? Well, one of the, the, the things in Scripture that we're talking about is that we're the bride of Christ. I'm married. If my wife had an adulterous affair, would I forgive her the first time? I would hope I could. The second time? I would hope I could. The ninth time? I don't know, man. See what I'm saying? She shouldn't presume on the marital vows that it's all going to work out. And Jesus was being tempted by the enemy to presume on that relationship with the Father. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean that we walk around in fear or terror. But Jesus, what does he say? It's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Don't test that relationship. But beyond that, that's not the kind of relationship you want to have with God or a spouse, by the way. Right? Let me see how far I can push you all the time. That's not going to be a real healthy marriage. Instead, Jesus wants us to understand that we need to be in relationship with the Father 
And then, you know, is God ever going to say, hey, you know what I want you to do today, Steve? I want you to get up on that building and jump off. Is that something like the voice of the Lord would ever say to me, ever? Right? That's not God. And even though that sounds a little silly, I will tell you that sometimes the enemy can disguise his voice to sound like God. That's true. And that's why we see people who will commit suicide or attempt suicide. It's not that they're like, you know, hey, welcome, come on in. It's not like they're horrible, demon-possessed, demonized people. It's that there has been there's been a conflicting voices that says God's going to somehow take care of you no matter what you do. Okay? And in, in essence, we need to understand this. I am secure in the Lord as long as I'm in Jesus. Is that making sense? Let's put it in a different way. I am secure in my marriage as long as I'm in my marriage. Yeah. <coughs> do you understand? So the point is, is that Jesus is saying, I'm not going to treat my father's relationship with me like that. I'm not going to presume on it. I'm going to, to, to be in obedience to him. Not you, Slewfoot. Okay? All right, good. Then let's go on. Oh, I got a picture of that. I think that's an awesome picture. Because it shows Jesus dealing with despair. You know? And, and voices speaking to him. Right? I mean, we know from Scripture the devil spoke to Jesus on a number of occasions. Yep. Have you ever heard a dark voice? Sure. Yeah. It's awful, isn't it? Yeah. It's just awful. Doesn't it give you hope? It gives me hope to know that my Savior heard those same voices. He's not a sky god that just everything was bouncing off of him because he's Teflon. Fully man. Fully God. Okay? Same things. All right? Then we get to Matthew 4. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. I saw the most hilarious thing on Google. is an old picture from like the Middle Ages. And somebody took the scripture literally. And it's the devil like lifting up Jesus and walking him up a mountain. It was really funny. Anyway, the, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Okay, let's go to the end of the story. What do we know happens in the book of Revelation, the end of the story? What is the relationship between Jesus and the nations of the world and the kingdoms of the world? What's the end of the story? Right, Jesus gets it all. Right? So what was the temptation here? Instant gratification without the death on the cross. Oh, so there are times that the Lord will promise things to us or say some some things to us. But then through all kinds of things, including presumption or or whatever, we're like, okay, maybe God wants me to work this out. All right? Instead of waiting on the Lord's timing, and then we get in trouble. Let me tell you a story. I was at a SALT conference. This is 1985. And uh, I, it was my first one. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And God was speaking to me. He says, this is what you're going to be doing for at least the next 10 years. I'm like, wow, great. And I hadn't really heard the voice of the Lord consistently in my life. I like cultivated hearing, hi, welcome. Welcome. Hi. You are most welcome to find a seat wherever you want to. You're most welcome. Let's give her a hand. She's welcome. <laughs> yeah. 
So I had not, here's a, here's a wall, you can pull up a wall. Uh, so I had not really, really knew how to do that. I hadn't really been discipled really well. And so I was like, well, I need to work this out. And so in just a few months, I had sold everything, resigned a position, uh, drove out to California where I had some friends, and I thought, I'm going to go, and I, I'll go to college out in California. That sounds fun. And, you know, and then I'm out there, I'll, I'll get accepted in this college, and I'll be, I'll be in Chi Alpha. And, uh, and pretty soon I was working at this place called Gotchalks. Well, before that, I, I was working on a crew putting an eight, a five-acre roof on a winery. That was kind of weird. And, but I needed to eat. I was broke. I was so far out of the will of God, you know what I mean? I mean, I was broke. And I'm like hammering, and then one day I was hammering, I broke my wrist, and so that job's over. And, and so now I go, st- go to the store to sell men's clothing, and then I was allergic to you know some of the stuff there, so they transferred me over to the the towels and wash rags department, praise the Lord. And so I'm over there <laughs> selling tip towels, and I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm packing a box, I'm like, I have a call of God on my life, and I am so far out of that call, and I'm unpacking wash rags today. You know what I'm saying? You know? Anybody ever live there? Right? And so the Lord was gracious, and as I took some time to fast and pray, and, you know, first repent, say, Lord, I really blew it here, I'm really sorry. What should I do? He says, you're supposed to be back east, and it took me a few months to get back there, got back there, and then came into everything that has been life here, including a spouse and, and ministry and stuff like that. But the point is, what was I trying to do? I was trying to accomplish what God's plan was on terms that fit me best. Notice I didn't say, let's see, God wants me in ministry. What's the hardest place in the world to go to? I'll go there. No, I didn't say that. I was like, I'm going to California. I want to surf. You know? And so, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right? So, so our flesh, somebody was mentioning that earlier, wants to, to, wants to be gratified. And we're like, how can I gratify my flesh and still get God's thing done? Right? That was the temptation here. Do you think Jesus wanted to go to the cross? Scripture says that he had to set his will to make himself go to the cross. Yeah. Okay? So, so that should give us hope, too, that sometimes we just have to set our will to do the right thing. Look at him. Here's the devil seeing him have all the kings of the world. And what's really, really funny is in this picture, the devil is in his, pretty close to his uh, future position where he's going to be kneeling at the feet of Jesus as Jesus is over all the world. Yay, God. Okay, so let's look at some scriptures that talk about the fully manness and fully godness. Matthew 1, 23 and 24. The virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. So the promise, and this is first out of the book of Isaiah, this is what Matthew's quoting, is that God was going to incarnate to be close to man so that he could live among man and humans, humanity. Okay? So we talked about that earlier. I'm mentioning again now. Jesus understood... Everything that you and I understand. He, under, he has gone through everything that you and I have gone through. Every temptation. Every, nothing that is common to man. Oh my gosh, my book is upstairs. Oh, hate that. Okay, it's alright. He, he, has, he has dealt with every frustration. Every longing. Every desire. Because he was fully human. All right. Look at John 1.14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. 
We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The, the full grace and truth part is, is powerful and important, but what I want you to see here is that the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus incarnated in a hard place, in a real place. Let's think about Jesus. And again, we come through the Christmas season. Jesus was born in the eyes of the world illegitimately. His mother got knocked up by somebody, no one's sure who. That's the, this is the talk that was going around. And at the very best, it was that guy that she's engaged to. All right? So he didn't just live under that for a few weeks. He lived under that his entire life. And in fact, there, there are even some sources that indicate that long after Jesus had died, risen from the dead, and ascended, that that was part of the rumor that people were trying to, to perpetuate. Hey, this is some illegitimate guy, right, that somebody made a religion around. So how would that make you feel? Maybe some of you were born in certain circumstances. I mean, I have two children. Both of them are adopted. And we've told them their adoption story from the very beginning. We, we, we had them as infants. Um, but we haven't told them all the story, you know, because they, they don't need to be burdened with all the story about what their parents were doing at the time. Is that making sense? Okay. And so what, what I'm saying is this, that why don't I tell them that? Because it would crush their little spirits right now. They're 12 and 14. But they know enough to know, well... You know, your birth father, he was an alcoholic. And so we don't want to make sure that we go down that road, right, Gabriel? Right, Dad. You know what I'm saying? But, but even with that, I see the, the unsettledness in them. Jesus, this is one of the things that he struggled with. But he, he came down into that situation. He also came to a very poor area of uh, Israel. So he was not raised in money. He was raised in poverty. He was not raised in privilege. Okay. He was an immigrant. Say what? They left to go to Egypt. And they were in Egypt for a while. And then they came out of Egypt. That must have been weird, right? When they came back. So all these things, and we could keep on going. He was a man just like us, undergoing the same issues and the same problems. But here's the cool thing. As a man, he faced temptations and struggles and overcame them. And you can too. And now I want you to look at our, at our big scripture, and then we're going to go to some questions. There's two slides here left. Hebrews 4, 15-16. For we do not have a high priest, talking about Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. Why? Say again? Right, right, because he was a man, right? So he can empathize. But we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as you are, just as we are, Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I want you to look at that last sentence. Finding grace in our time of need. I didn't really understand that scripture for much of my life. But as I got older, I understood that the time of need oftentimes is a time time of temptation to sin. Right? That's when I need Jesus in a big way. You know what I'm saying? And here's that, this is why the scripture is so powerful. We come to the throne of grace. We come to God and say, listen, I need your help now. Right now. I need your help. 
And I'm, I'm coming to you for grace. Grace is special favor. The, the, the Greek word, uh, it talks about a special bestowing of help and favor. Supernatural even. That we can come and find that grace to help us in our time of need. So, this is what the Christian life is not. It's not you gritting your teeth harder and trying one more time. It's not it. Because flesh can never reform flesh. If I could do that, I'd be about 175 pounds and all buff right now. And I wouldn't have had that extra dessert. You know what I'm saying? Okay? Flesh doesn't reform flesh really well. At all. Okay? So we need an outside help, a grace, if you will, in that time of need. But I didn't live my life like that. I lived my life as a, a, a young Christian. I got, uh, became Christ follower at 18 years old. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to try really hard not to sin today. Okay, maybe just not for this hour. You know? <laughs> right? And then, oh, man, I blew it again. Oh, it's so horrible. I got saved all over again. You know? Okay, Lord, you love me. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay Lord, I'm not sinning ever again. No, okay, and then... Okay, maybe not this week. Maybe not today. Oh, God. You know, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? And how many of you know that there are a lot of people on our campuses who used to be Christ followers who are not anymore because they say it doesn't work? And you know, they're right. That doesn't work. Me reforming me leaves me with me. Is it making sense? Okay, and so that's why the scripture is so powerful. And when I understood this, and there were some brothers that helped me to understand that, said, "Listen, you do not have the ability to overcome temptation that you're dealing with. You do not have the ability. That does not mean that you are, you know, deviant or, or insufficient or whatever it means. You're human, and you do not have it. You're dealing with spiritual forces that are attacking you." You need to rely on the same grace that Jesus relied on. Oh, what? What's that? I thought Jesus was God, so he just went around as sky God, kind of living his life. No. What do we see in the Garden of Gethsemane? Jesus calling out to the Father for help. Right? Right? And so, practically, what this meant in my life is, uh, this guy challenged me, he says, listen, when you feel like you're being attacked and tempted, you need to call out on the name of Jesus wherever you're at. I'm like, oh man, that's a little embarrassing or whatever. He says, your choice. You want to keep on sinning or you want to be free? And he was really kind of encouraging me, you need to get your eyes off yourself and off of your image and off of I can do this. There's that flesh again trying to reform me, right? And say, I don't have, I'm powerless in front of this. I am powerless in front of this. And indeed I am. And guess what? Immediate freedom and grace for the first time in my life. And I realized that a big part of my problem had been me because I wanted to, at the end of the day, say, I conquered this thing. Is it making sense? And if I could do that, that I would be gratifying that flesh even more and feeding it even more and setting myself up for another fall, right? So the key... To this, to this whole topic, and now we're going to go to uh, one other thing and then questions, is understanding, first off, Jesus was a human just like you and me, dealt with the same temptations, same problems, same feelings. 
you say, well, okay, but he never married. Do you think he ever contemplated relationships? You can, you can bet on it, okay? But he had, the scripture says, for the joy set before him endured the cross. It was not just the physical cross, it was the sacrificed life, that he endured that for the mission in front of him. That doesn't mean you shouldn't get married. That's not If you're not called to that, then you need to get married. I wasn't called to it. I'm married. My ring's not with me today. But anyway, it's, I think it's in my case. But anyway, uh, the point is that Jesus uh, felt all those th- same thoughts and, and, and feelings, but he endured it. And how did he endure it? By gritting his teeth harder? No. By relying on the grace coming from the throne of grace to help him out in that time of need. Is that making sense? Yes. And that's how we can live. So it's not like Christianity is only for the holy you know, that are specially born that way or, you know, whatever. It's for anyone who understands, I am powerless in front of sin. I need the grace of God, not to just kind of give me a little extra boost. I need Him to, to do this work for me. Well, well how, how will that happen? Well, let's say you're in a temptation or some kind of a situation, and you call out to Jesus. You know what Jesus is going to say? He's going to provide you the way of escape. That's true. He says, okay, here's your chance. This is how you get out of this. And then it's a choice, isn't it? Right? Then it's choice. And then that's where the real issue is at. Okay. One last thing, and then um, I might have to do this this quote. Um, well, you can look at 1 Peter 2.21. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you as an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and there was no deceit found in his mouth. Um, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. And then here's this great quote, By his wounds you have been healed. And I'm going to leave you with this, and we're going to go to some questions for five minutes. That the part of, of of sin is a sickness, and sometimes sin, not all the times, but sometimes sin has uh, has causal agents that have to do with how we were raised, the home that we came out of, or whatever things that would give us a greater propensity to some kind of a problem. I have a very, very good friend, um, very, very good friend, and he dealt with pornography, struggled with that, even through his marriage and multiple affairs and all that kind of stuff. Happy to tell you that, that as he came into this and understood this, he's absolutely clean. Now he's uh, just came out with a, a movie, um, and his wife and he have reconciled, and it's all good, whatever. He told me that his pop, his mom and pop were, were divorced, that his pop had stacks of porno in the house from his earliest memory just laying around Okay, now this guy is going to have a little bit more of a propensity towards some of that than the person who was raised in the home that they were praying for you know, their kids every morning and speaking blessing over them and stuff like that that doesn't mean that those kids can't sin too is it making sense? but <clears throat> my, my point is, is that some wounds that have happened to us we might tend to want to think this gives us an out for the sin or well God just can't heal that because that's just too deep but it's by his wounds we have been healed 
And the healing here, I believe, is not just talking about physical healing of an arm that's broken or something like that, but it's talking about healing of a wounded spirit. So that if you have something in you that, like, man, I was molested as a kid, and that's why sexuality is just a huge part of my life, and I don't like it or whatever. God's healing can come because of his wounds, of the God-man Jesus being wounded. Healing can come to you to heal that hurt, to give you extra grace to get out of whatever pattern of sin you're in. Does that make sense? So, again, Jesus is not saying, look, I died for you. Can't you do the rest? He's not saying that. He's saying, I have grace upon grace from the throne of grace that I can draw in from my Father to help you in your time of need. You've just got to ask. Just got to ask. And then you got to obey. Right? That way of escape. Okay? We got time for just a couple quickie questions. Oh, goodness. Yeah, we got five minutes. Ready to go. So, okay. Question, and if you wrote it down, great. Or if you just want to raise your hand at the same time, fire away. What you got? They're leaving already. It's amazing. Yes, ma'am. Really loud. So, like, is there any, like, recorded instance um, where Jesus, did Jesus always know he was a son It's a great question. I can only give you my opinion. Scripture does not record anything about Jesus prior to uh, what talks about his birth. Talks about him being 12 years old in the temple. We get nothing between that and 12. Although some people uh, in the in the Middle Ages tried to fill in the gaps and turn Jesus into a guy that would take and make clay little uh, you know birds and because he wanted to play with them and you know because he you know that never happened okay so um, anyway so then we get Jesus to the temple and then then we get this message he grew in, in, in wisdom stature and favor of God men stature means physically he grew up and he grew in favor of people is good then we know that he worked with his father the carpenter Joseph then we know that he goes into the desert to be tempted after his baptism and he goes into public mystery. That's all we know. But we also, in an understanding of Jesus, we have to understand it from these, from the, the greater body of Scripture where it says that he was tempted in every way like us. Okay? So, you know, I'm a missionary. I've been doing this for a long time now. Have I ever been tempted to quit? Yeah. Have I ever doubted my, my calling? All the time. See what I'm saying? So if Jesus was tempted in every way that Steve Lehman is, then you can guarantee he was. Does that make sense? Yeah. So he did struggle with the calling, but but he didn't struggle alone. He learned to draw on the grace from the Father. Okay? Yes? Um, with God, if you, when you have a calling, yes. what does it mean, for example, if you're in the process of that calling yeah. and things is not working out? Great, great question. Here we go. You ready? You go back to the last thing that you were told that you didn't do. The last thing that he told you to do, if you haven't done it, go back and do that. Look, I got two kids, so if my kids say, Daddy, 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 could I have this, 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 this? I'm like, no. Why? Because I asked you to take out the trash yesterday, and we're still looking at it and smelling it. Okay? Oh, but Daddy, don't you love me? Yeah, I love you. 
then won't you give me the ice cream? Take out the trash. You know what I mean? And, and so it's the same thing with our Father. God's not going to give us a new assignment. He's not going to give us clarity for a future assignment if we won't do the last assignment He gave us to do. That's a big thing. Secondly, if things are not working out or you're hitting a place where you're like, man, I feel like I'm hitting a wall, that's the time to fast and pray. And when I was out in California, way away from God, knew I'd blown it, right? Literally, I had resigned a position as an as a assistant or as a youth pastor and told everybody, this is God's will for me to move to California. I was totally wrong. I was totally ashamed, totally embarrassed. I had, I had humiliated myself. I never wanted to go back there. And, uh, and the will of the Lord say, go back there. Because <laughs> I had to obey, right? And, and that Christmas, I was singing in their Christmas program, and I was... A, an, an elf or something. I don't know what I was. But anyway, you know, I was, whatever. But the point is, I had to humble myself and go back to the thing. The Lord said to me, I never told you to leave. So I had to go back to that. But, but that didn't come about until I took three days to fast and pray, which I didn't like to do. I like to eat. Uh-huh. And three days to fast and pray. And then the Lord started speaking very, very clearly. One of the things he spoke is, call your former campus pastor. I did. That guy said there's a grad, there was a graduate program at Western Kentucky University. And why don't you just call them? I called them and over the phone, even though I had a 2.9 GPA in my undergrad, over the phone, I was offered a full ride scholarship to the graduate program. And God is saying, I told you that that's where your blessing's at. Now out here what you did. You messed it up. Follow me. Yes, sir. Okay? All right. So you go back to the last thing he told you to do. And then if you're not sure what that is, fast and pray, he'll let you know. He's a big boy. He can do that. <laughs> yes? I'm just kind of curious, because I sometimes get uh, tempted in my dreams. I have dreams. I think Satan can use dreams. I don't know if yeah. anybody else ever yeah. gets tempted in yeah. dreams by Satan. Absolutely. But I just, it's like, you just feel like, sometimes you succumb to it. It's like, oh, I don't want yeah. to do that anymore. So I get it. Thanks for your vulnerability. Martin Luther said, I cannot keep a bird from playing around my head. I can keep him from building a nest in my hair. And so the, the point is, is that, uh, you know, we're driving down the road and my son and, you know, me are being assaulted by bizarre billboards. You know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, so the first look is not sin, the second look is sin. All right? And so the point is, if I wake up from some kind of really sparsed out dream, uh, what do I need to do? I need to say, Jesus! Right? And as a single guy, I told my roommates that we were believers. It's like, if you ever hear me call out to Jesus, you know I'm being tempted and I need you to pray in tongues right then. And so, uh, it's like, Jesus! And you're like, oh, Lord. <laughs> and, then, and then I need to talk. Then I need to talk to one of my brothers and sisters and say, listen, I just had the most bizarre dream. I won't pollute you, but I need prayer. Lay hands on me and pray for me. And then I, I need to say, Father, I am powerless. These thoughts are just with me all day long. I am powerless. Would you give me your grace in this time of need? And he will. Sometimes that grace would come in the form of, I'd be praying, and I was like, God, give me grace. And the phone would ring. Hey, you want to go right now? This is really important what I'm about to say. I'm not making a jokey thing. You need to listen to this. Hey, you want to go right now, go bowling? And invariably, a lot of times before I'd say, "Ah, no, I just want some time by myself. And then that would go bad. Yeah. 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 Right? And my flesh did not want to even put my shoes on to go bowling. Exactly. But that's where I say, I need to obey Jesus now, who's given me the way out. Dig it? That's the point. Okay, one more question, then we get a jet. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, ma'am. 
Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. What can you do to help Williams? That's a hugely great question. Sometimes, my, here's my prayer to the Lord. God, I need your help to even want to get out of this problem. Look, doesn't Jesus know me anyway? You think I'm going to pull something over on him? You know, I'll see people make this mistake all the time. They'll be under temptation and they're like, "Oh, I just need to pray like really holy prayers right now." Oh Lord, though God, there, no, no, no. You know, and that, that you know, that's more flesh, right? You know, no, you be really honest with the Lord. Lord, I'm in trouble. And and he he might tell you, okay, make a call to this guy in your or this gal in your small group right now, and say, look, I have a need right now. I need I need help. Can we please go bowling or something? I need to get out of this. I need to go do something else. Listen, Jesus, part of the temptation. That's why I really like that one picture where Jesus is like that and the devil's talking to him. Is the enemy wants to get in your mind and stay there? Yep. That's right. Scripture will help to combat what's going on there. But here's the other thing. Martin Luther, I love Martin Luther. Martin Luther says, when the devil is attacking me, I go and shovel a load of manure. He, he, the point is, physical labor, where your back's hurting, you're working hard, get your mind off of whatever noise that has been going around okay. in here. Is that making sense? Okay. And so the point is, is that sometimes we need to, and I say this in lots of love, I'm sorry my Chicago's coming out, but uh, sometimes we need to get off of our stool, right? We need to get out of there and go be involved in something else. And the, here's the nice thing about Chi Alpha. You can go and be involved in the work of the kingdom. Why not make it that if the devil attacks you, your response is going to be, I'm going to pray for Bangladesh every time that you attempt, you tempt me with that. That's cool. Yes. Okay? You're going to get it in the eye if you if you bother me with that. And if this temptation comes up, it's pulling, baby. You know? <laughs> now, some of that is some of that is a little bravado, but, but you know, and that's fine, too, because we do need to put our guts into serving Jesus, too. But even then, I'm not going to have that out with the devil and then just sit there and keep on watching Netflix. I'm going to get out of there. Because yeah. I may have walked into a trap I didn't even, was not even my own making. Is it making sense? Yeah. One time, I'll leave you with this. The Holy Spirit will really help you. One time, I was I'm just learning to hear the voice of God, man. Again, I wasn't raised to know that. I don't know anybody really is. But anyway, and I was at the grocery store, and I felt like the Lord say, do not walk down that aisle. Yep. And... I'm like, okay, I'm ridiculous. I'm getting kind of all spooky freaky. Come on. You know what I mean? You know? But I was like, well, but you know what? Maybe I just shouldn't. And so and I didn't. So I walked down to the different aisle. And then when I got down to the end of the aisle, I looked. And facing away from me was some really, really sparsely clad human being. Let's just put it that way. So the point is that the Holy Spirit was trying to keep me from a problem. And part of, of Christian maturity comes to, of, of your living to, to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, and he'll say things to you, and they're not like, don't go have sex now. That's not it. That's not it. He's saying, don't go and sit in the car and talk for three hours after the cow being with that girl. Yeah. What? No, man. Right? We get into situations, and then we're calling out for grace, and God's grace is, get the heck out of there. You know what I'm saying? Right? 
And so a lot of times we can do things that even seem normally seem good or normal or maybe right or righteous or it's holy, isn't it? Man, we had a gal in our ministry that had gotten saved. This is back in eastern Michigan. I gotta go, guys. Sorry, I gotta teach another thing. And uh, she, um, like my hat. Uh, anyway, and she had been saved three, three months, two months, and a guy came into the ministry who was a stronger Christian. He'd been raised a Christian. He was there three weeks, and in three weeks she comes to us like, ah, uh, we're in each other's pants. I'm like, how'd that happen? Well, he would walk me home, and we'd talk about the Lord, and then we'd talk about the Lord some more, and then we were, you know, speaking in tongues. <laughs> no, she didn't say that. for grace for something that we cooked our own stew. You know what I'm saying? And we need to say, Lord, help me not to be an idiot. You know what I mean? Right? Okay, God, let me pray for you. God, bless these good people. We're strong in you, Lord, not in ourselves. And so we just draw on your grace and strength, and I pray that, that, that we would be reminded of your scripture. There is now no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus, help us to just to stay in with you, Lord. And when we mess up, help us to get up and start walking again with you. In Christ's strong name, amen.